Buffalo, New York. It's the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. Welcome to the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast, where we talk about the utter insanity that is the Buffalo music scene. Cassidy, if Olive Garden has unlimited breadsticks, why don't they end world hunger? I think there just aren't enough believers. If it were like the loaves and the fishes and they could have a miracle of it, there just aren't enough believers in this world, Ryan. So what you're telling me is we need more people worshipping and believing in Olive Garden? I think they're trying hard. They're trying hard. Religion has done worse to lure me in than free breadsticks. Unlimited carbs are bad for everyone. Mm, I want some breadsticks now. Oh my god, they're good. On episode number 73 of the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast, we'll have part two of our interview with drummer, producer, arranger, consultant, etc., Elliot Jacobson. Uh, in part one of his, of his interview, which you can find on westernnewyorkmusic.com, and we haven't mentioned this before, we're on like Spotify and Apple Music. We're on like a whole bunch of these sites now. That's big um, time. Yeah, so Ready? can I get like, yeah, there we go. So um, I I, I wanted to mention this. Uh, big props to Kenny, the intern. Kenny, uh, the intern. Kenny has been, uh, he took on the job of uh, doing a distribution for us. Your intern so, army is just moving mountains. They're fantastic, too. Like, they're really, like, I've been dealing with so many just wonderful, talented people. It's wonderful. So, uh, but Kenny has, I think, like, this is episode 73. I think he has everything going back to like 58 up on Spotify already. And the plan is to get all of them up at some point. And then um, with getting them, we're using uh, Anchor is the website we use. So then in addition to uh, Spotify, it's up on Apple Music and all those other fun places. And you're getting so. these interns young who haven't been dampened by the struggle of the music scene. They're all eager. They're not jaded yet. They're. Do you remember they're, how excited you were about your internships? Were you excited? I was until I got there. <laughs> oh my god, my music industry internships. Yours sounded really cool. Mine was just sorting stuff and filing. It was supposed to be a lot of other things. I got to sort through all of the... Sub everybody who sent in anything to Righteous Babe Records and catalog it. Yeah, I, I felt, but, but, it, but it wasn't great because I felt like I was the only person listening <laughs> to it, you know? Anyway, Reading all right. fan mail, yeah. Yeah, mine was a lot of, a lot of filing. So anyway, um, in part one of his interview, available at westernnewyorkmusic.com and across streaming platforms, uh, we talked about his beginnings as a musician, his ascendance up the ladder in New York City, and uh, he gave us some stories about working with artists like Elle King and in Ingrid Michaelson. So in part two of the interview, we'll finish up our basic interview with Elliot and then hear about what Ryan was like in high school, which I'm sure everyone is super <laughs> excited to hear about. We'll also be playing music from the Kalahari Merman experience. I love their aesthetic. Is it Merman or Merman? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. I could be saying it wrong. I, I want to say Merman, right? I, I, you're right, yeah, yeah. I don't I know. Think. I don't think... You gotta... Yeah, I think Merman would imply have, that they're Jewish. Have your people call their people? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Ethel Merman, right? Yeah. All right, sorry. <laughs> a song from A New Easy Way, which was Elliot and Ryan's high school band, and a heavy track from The Last Rain. Yes. That uh, I actually... I just got... Look, I got a fancy tape deck. You can see it right there. I love so fancy things. I can now archive uh, cassettes for uh, westernnewyorkmusic.com, and uh, the first thing I did, I found a show that Elliot and I played together at, uh, from Showplace Theater in uh, probably 2000. 
Man. And um, I'll talk about it a little more because we're going to play it after the segment. But uh, he busts out. It's, there's at least there's kind of two drum solo bits in it because that's what you do when someone like that's in your band. So it's even listening back on it now, the track still impresses me. Awesome. So. But first. But first. We need a drum roll. Let's talk about Band Together Buffalo first. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, the first three weeks, is it? Are they in Yes, the first round? three weeks are, they're in round two. Round two. But week three of round three. two, because right. they have 60 bands, they're playing 12 of them a week, so this is going to go for five weeks. It's so sportsing. It really is, actually. <laughs> so um, the first uh, the first three batches of bands are done. Um, I have I have been asked to be a judge, which is uh, super awesome and something I appreciate. Thank you, Band Together Buffalo. Um, if given the choice between uh, having people judge me or having me judge people, I will always choose the latter. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I've been uh, there's some really cool stuff on there. I'm uh, episode one had Mom said no. It had Pharaoh. It had Strange standard it had tiger chung lee um the mom said no video was really really cool and, yeah, and um, really polished those boys are looking polished absolutely I've, I've worked with them and i've seen them they are just really put together they put on a great show yeah i actually um the drummer for when i played with jen DeSantis used to be in mom said no and i think his cousin or his brother was still in the band so we actually got to practice in the mom said no practice space a few times yeah. and they had like the full like in-ear monitor set up for everyone at practice and that just for me that that just blew my mind so i'm so, saying yeah no they, they, they've got their stuff going and the dedication to those suits <laughs> it works i've heard one of the one, one i heard three of the four forgive me for cutting you off sure. i heard three of the four of those groups you know in the past but strange standard i wasn't familiar with yes yeah, strange standard um I think I was expecting something a little a little more funky, and it was almost a little more soul. It was a real quiet track. Um, it was all right. It wasn't my favorite. I mean, it, it, it kind of it didn't fit in well with the rest. Just given. that was the other thing I was going to ask. In these episodes, are we are we, you know, putting these bands together? Forgive me for yes, the yes, pun, uh, because they are genre related, or they're, are they kind of a? They're mix? trying to, but there ends up being. I mean, you kind of have to stretch in some case to fit bands in certain places. Like this is soul, pop, and funk. Sure, where soul and funk might go together, pop could kind of be another thing you know so um, and it might be in that sense too like do you even want to do that because you can get a crossover audience and you know pollinate these fans of different bands who maybe wouldn't have been exposed yeah right sure and then um yeah so the strange standard video was pretty cool tiger chung lee submitted something from a couple years ago with like half the band so i don't know if that's fair it wasn't the best but it was still covidity th we'll blame the covidity they yeah, got a lot of new there's still things going on and yeah I've, i i have heard and they, they're so talented so i really can't wait I, I i hope that uh i can say is outside of my judging capability is that i hope because they're a cool band and i want to see what they do in the next round they advance but for me they were kind of in the middle just because it was an old video 
that's hard too because you can be rooting for the band and because of what oh, they submitted particularly for this competition uh, yeah. Tokyo Monsters had a really great video I'm not gonna I won't hit on every band uh, for episode 2 uh, Tokyo Monsters had a really cool video like I said um, it's for uh, Battles, uh, Battle of the Waterfalls part 2 it's a video they've had out for a couple of years but I've always really liked it and uh, Tokyo Monsters is a band that I still haven't seen yet and I really want to um, in episode 2 you can also find the Safety Meeting they are a new band their singer uh, it was this is also the singer for Unleash the Lion which is a popular Pearl Jam cover right. band this is his foray into uh, original music it also includes uh, TJ Cutajar from Days Ago on drums and I believe Kevin Sampson's playing bass I'm not 100% sure about that but uh, then uh, episode three had Hearts and Hand Grenades, Space Junk, Cypher, and B-E-U. That was kind of the... Pew, pew, pew. Is it? How you say it, yeah. Pew? Absolutely. All right. That's how it was explained to me. Like I got the noise of gun right. Pew, pew, pew. Isn't that a pew and not a bew? No, they said pew, pew, pew. Oh, fair enough. That was the prog I'm rock... I'm not a pee, man. <laughs> that was the prog rock jam episode, which... Not quite my thing, but... Uh, so we can go back and watch the episodes. Yes, if you go to bandtogetherbuffalo.com, you can find the episodes. You can vote for bands up to three or four days after each episode airs. They're going to be airing on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays until everything's done. That's important. I know a lot of people have some screen burnout, and it's hard to miss everything yeah. being... So, um, and they start at 7 p.m., and um, they have featured artists, and I think that's really nice and a good way to bring people in. But, um, you know, if you don't have... If you look at it and you're like, this is an hour long, I don't have time for that. Sure. You can catch all the local bands in just, like, 15 or 20 minutes per episode if you skip around. Just saying, if that's your thing. Uh, episode 4 had Folk, Fake, Folk Faces, Organ Fairchild, TK Lips, Nixon, Croft, and Garetti. That was the jazz-slash-folk episode. So I, there is some rhyme and reason to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, TK Lips actually really impressed me. Just this, like, uh, this, this three-person kind of... Uh, it was almost more like a droney, jazzy, kind of shoegazy, looping sound. <laughs> Sorry, my dog's jumping all over you. So that was really cool. Um, Organ Fairchild is kind of a jam with a with a real strong jazz influence. Like sure. Medeski, Martin, and Wood is right. the name if, if anyone... Are, are they still a thing? Her festival's still a thing. <laughs> as long as hippies exist. Yeah. Medeski, sure. Martin, and Wood Someone's will be here. Someone's going to follow that band. <laughs> and uh, I... I you know, I, I don't like always say bad things. I really didn't like the video Folk Faces put up. It was this really fast song, and I was just listening to myself, and someone walked by, and they asked me if I was listening to the song in double speed because of the way everything was happening. So And it wasn't I, accidentally double speed? No, no, and it was, just, it was just kind of a lyric video, too. Okay. So... Yeah, it's, I, think, I don't know how much time these bands had, um, you know, to submit. Sure, sure. So, I, I think they could have put a better face forward, if you will. Both <laughs> faces. Because, uh, but, but no, it, it was still pretty cool. Uh, in episode 5, 77 Stone played. Um, that band features Michael Delano, um, Vito Wojcik which is yeah. um, oh, Bruce Wojcik's Bruce. son. And I, think, I feel like it's another guy I've heard of, too. And they kind of have... I was expecting kind of like a bluesy jazz thing because that's what I'm used to with Mike. It almost had like a Alice in Chains kind of vibe to it. I think like that. this like low mucky bit. It was definitely it was better. I, I it definitely like you know I'm not a big jazz blues guy, but this really appealed to me. I think more than I thought I, it would, and I, I really really like that uh, episode six was uh, was was pretty good. Um, 
Uh, it had Yellow Jack featuring former uh, former creator of this podcast, Dennis Reed. Um, they do they do music that sounds like old folk tunes from the twenties, but they're about modern things almost. So like a lot of it's Clever. a lot. So their songs about Highway sixty two, okay. the Buffalo one. <laughs> yeah, and like there's. It's it's a it's not a live video. It's a music video, but you see every person in that band sings lines individually. So all four people are going around. There's a fiddle player, a bass player, a mandolin player, and Dennis on guitar. Cool. And I thought that was really impressive. Um, the video was really nice and clean. I know Dennis does great video work, uh, and like it made a Scott Norwood reference, which I just I you know if this Whenever is you can kick on that hometown. <laughs> it's called Band Together Buffalo, yeah. so you know I might, I might give you an extra little. I gave a couple bands an extra little point for having like a good Buffalo reference neither their video or their songwriting i think that's at least a little important given what they do but i've heard yellow jack before playing like that older stuff and you know it's i'm not a big 1920s folk guy but uh, i was really impressed by the song they played so i'd recommend checking that out and um oh, i wish i remembered the song i'm gonna look i'm actually gonna i'm opening this up so i can find for you the name of the brendan and the strangest ways song because that video was was uh, excellent as well well, I guess you're just going to have to go to the Band Together Buffalo website and check out episode 6 to see that video, and you will also see recent guest 10,000 Maniacs perform on that one, too, since every episode does have a featured artist. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate the efforts of everyone who's coordinating. Oh my goodness, it seemed like a ton of work. So I'm happy I can help promote and judge. And um, it's like this happens, and it's like I, w I, w I want to do everything. I want to help more and yeah. more and more. So um, let, let's. I'll just give you the end of uh, the last week too. Um, we had nuclear winter, gr grizzly shore, grizzly run, eerie shores, and sheep peach. Um, Grizzly runs a little harder than I like, and Nuclear Winter uh, has this whole Megadeth vibe. Okay. That what well, is the metal punk? If they so. want to sound like Megadeth, that's great, but it almost sounds too much like it and a little kind of old and ant I don't want to say antiquated exactly, but unless you didn't catch that wave of it, Ryan, and you're not as old, and you maybe want to. Oh, I I, I like I, mean? I, I had a Megadeth phase. Yeah. So I'm listening, no to and I can appreciate right that, but like, <laughs> like I couldn't hear a lot of the bass in the recording too, which bothered me. That's um, hard when the mix is off. Eerie Shores is really cool. Um, they're actually a band I want to have on as a guest sometime soon. They're a real good hard rock band, kind of emo-y, and uh, they had a really nice music video shot. Um, every time I hear Cheap Peach, I like them a little more. They are a shoegazy punk band okay. from Fredonia. Um, I've had, I've, I had them play once at Milky's. Uh, they're going to be playing on the Planned Parenthood fundraiser we're doing. Uh, they're a really good time. Do you have a date for that? Uh, we're recording it on April 17th. I don't know when it's going to be ready for release. Right. So sometime in May. And how many bands are participating? There will be 10 bands, hopefully. Nice. So right now we have five confirmations. So I'm still rounding up the rest of them. Doing that thing you do. Yeah. Uh, episode 8. Uh, had Grub, Soul Bushers, Sons of Luther, Amateur Hockey Club. Um, I'll just talk about Sons of Luther. Uh, I really like them. Yeah. They have us like really good like old kind of throwbacky rock and roll sound with like the white undershirt and the the leather jacket kind of vibe. Okay. Um, the, the the song that they submitted in particular uh, it, it has some twists and turns. Like there's some weird beats or like there's a little cow like woodblock cowbelly thing they throw in. So like, I thought it really kept me on my toes. So and I like that as a listener where I don't ex absolutely expect what's going to come next. And then episode nine was alternative night. Um, that was what I actually watched it this morning. I've never been a big fan of McCarthyism. The review was really good. Yeah. I really, really liked it. I, I, I 
but they're just they're like one of these bands where I just like hear a song here or there and just be like eh. but then I heard this and I'm like I really like I like this way more than I thought I would I had a couple favorite McCarthyism songs there's like a window with a view song or something that stuck with me. Anyway, I appreciate when when Kevin McCarthy's like playing in the corner of a room somewhere. And yeah. Like a, I feel like I saw him at Petty Bones at a Bison's game or some nonsense. You know, like he is a staple and I don't, I'm not offended by it ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, they, they have, I think they may have converted me into a fan. So, and they have a really cool social distance music video, which is basically, I'm assuming, Kevin McCarthy standing on a roof playing his guitar. Nice. And it's all, the song's all about wasting time. Uh, Chris Squire Band uh, had a song. Oh my God, what was the name of that song? I'm going to pound my head on the table and not remember it. I guess you're just gonna have to watch right, episode have to nine. Back to it. Yeah, um, it was really good. Um, it was my. So how many more weeks? What's the format again? Uh, four bands per episode. Total of sixty bands. There'll be fifteen episodes. Oh wow! So this is gonna go up on March first. So as of March first. Um, like tomorrow, March 2nd through 4th will be week 4, and then March 9th through 11th will be the final week. So it's kind of too early to say, and I know that you're a judge, so I don't know if you can even say in your official function, but do you have favorites so far? <sighs> Here's, I can tell you, so 16 out of these 60 bands are going to make it. Right. Forward. So, um... If I was looking through this and just guessing off of what I saw, I think Mom said no and Pharaoh. I think are both going to do really well. I was really impressed. The Pharaoh one's a live performance video, which really uh, impressed me. I think I think people are really going to like the Tokyo Monsters video. Um, I think Space Junk has a huge following, and even if I wasn't a big fan of what they did, I think they're still going to get a lot of fan votes, and I think a lot of the judges are still going to be really into it. Um, Honestly, any of the any of the jazz folk bands, Folk Faces, Organ Fairchild, TK Lips, uh, Nixon, Croft, and Goretti, they're, be, they're all really talented. You know, they're all like like again like jazz, not always for me, but like I, you know, watching these, you know, all, almost all of them for under as far as performance was concerned, they got a perfect score because they're especially Nixon, Croft, and Goretti. They're great, great, great musicians. I've seen Goretti play for a few things for Infringement Festival. Please ignore the sound of dogs and feet. Shut in the background, um, I think seventy-seven Stone will advance. I think uh, I think Michael Delano is a favorite amongst kind of the young and upcoming musician, music is art kind of crowd, and I think that'll I think that'll help him. Though I think he could get there on his own merits. I don't want to say that's why, but I think he's got a nice following with those kind of people, and I think he'll ride that. Um, I hope Yellow Jack makes it. I'll be kind of curious to see where it goes on that. It is an interesting mix, and as it narrows it down in this format, it's hard to judge one against the other. It's going to come down to these bands rallying their fan base to vote for them. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, even, it just really came down to figure, because, so, I vote on three different things. There's songwriting composition, there's performance, and there's video quality. Sure. So, um, it's composition slash songwriting, and it's for zero, it's a zero to three scale for all of them. Um, performance, and then video quality is the other one. So, you know, if I'm looking at performance quality, if it's something that's done in a studio, I might not only give them a two out of three possible points, because when you go in the studio, you can fix it. Mm -hmm. Compared to a live video where you gotta get your shit right. Right. So just little things like that, or with the music video, you know, I give bands a point if they are actually in their own music video. I know all the professional bands don't always do that, but you should be in your music video. It feels lazy if you're not in your music video. Well, I, I think in this kind of a presentation, it should be more your 
performance as part or piece to the video instead of it's a whole other creative undertaking to have this story video or like a, a arts video. Uh, even just having like the band standing in a room and playing sure. is better than just using stock footage. Especially more captivating because we don't have those rooms to stand in with those bands in this COVIDity. Sure. And then um, for like the songwriting, I'll give someone a three if it's a song I'd put in my car stereo. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Or if it's um, in your head a little bit later on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If it has a hook that stays in your head, that's a point. Um, I will, I'll deduct a point if, uh, you know, when a, a, like a chorus for a song at the end goes on too long and they keep repeating the same lines That'll like happen. 20 times. Yeah. I deduct a point for that. You've, over, end on a, you, no. you've overstayed your welcome. That's the truth. So, um, so, yeah, I have like little things to do that way. And I think as long as I kind of like hold that stuff hold each band to that same standard that even though they're different genres we can still be fair about it that's what i was getting to you're a very fair judge ryan i mean <laughs> the honorable ryan <laughs> i mean it's it, i put a lot of extra effort into it just because you know no honestly no matter what you're qualified you, that, much. Uh, i just think no matter what you do especially in this music scene people are gonna assume you're biased somehow like even when i did when i did infringement festival and put bands in broadway market i had people like oh well how'd you choose the bands were they all your friends and it's like no these were the bands that were you scheduled wish you had so many friends yeah right and it's like no this was where th those bands were scheduled to play which made them the best choice to do a recording there right so but so people are always looking for an excuse so i i try not to give them one if i but they're also not the ones doing it like everyone's going to have a critical analysis of the people who are actually doing oh absolutely so you know let them talk exactly so um we're gonna play um so the rest of the elliot interview is broken into two parts there is kind of the rest of the main interview that we are conducting which is about eight minutes long and we're gonna take a break and play a song and then we're gonna Elliot's going to talk about high school and Ryan Garnett. So, Which I'm sure is what you're most looking forward to, our <sighs> listeners. Elliot was a little younger than us, so like I don't remember him like drinking or smoking. So like we had an eight-piece band, so there was some debauchery going on, and he was never really a part of that. Plus, he joined late, so he didn't have he doesn't have like the freshman year Ryan Garnett stories because those are those are the, the ones that are truly hilarious and wonderful. That's very. So um, this song is from I believe uh, 2000. It is recorded at uh, Showplace Theater. Fun place. My band and our band, a new easy way. I believe it was our last full show as a band we uh we thought since it was our last full show as a band that a we needed to talk to our friends ahead of time about calling us out for an encore which happened and a for some two for some reason we thought we needed to play two hours at showplace theater which at that time was pay to play so that just meant i, I we had to buy twice as many tickets from them right that's a good <sighs> setup for them <laughs> yeah and that's party honestly, was a good party no, I don't think it was. Oh, I'm sorry. No, um, if, if, if I remember correctly, we played the last two hours, and um, uh, the first bands brought in a few hundred people who all immediately left when they finished. That'll so we happen. played for like 20 to 30 of our friends, and someone I remember, uh, we called her Angel Dust Lady for obvious reasons. Okay. So um, this was a song we recorded uh, for an album, and it got lost. We have a lost album that's floating around somewhere. On a cassette. Um, <laughs> Um, I believe it's on an ADAT, actually, nice. if we want to really date ourselves. Um, it's called Lord Funk. It was kind of our big opus, and it's funk, 
not fuck, just because I was listening to it, and I'm like, if you don't know the name of this song, it might sound like everyone's yelling Lord fuck, and okay. we weren't those kinds of kids. Other kinds of debauchery. I'm saying too much, Cassidy. All right, so um, we are going to play A New Easy Way from Showplace Theater circa 2000 with Lord Funk here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on westernnewyorkmusic.com.
So do, do you have, I've seen you on so many TV shows, uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, uh, like Fallon, I think Leno. I even saw, I saw you on Rachel Ray. Oh, yeah. That's officially when I think you get to the point of where you've played like all the shows. Too many of them, yeah. Yeah, so um, out, of, out of all the stuff you did, like what's, what's kind of the most surprising things that, you know, you maybe didn't realize when you went into like do all these TV shows, like late night TV shows that, that, that were there when you got there? Um, so I'll, just, I'll just randomly spout out what comes to mind. Uh, James Corden, super nice guy, would like go backstage and hang out with the bands before, Ooh. which like most of the talk show hosts would just be like, you wouldn't even know that they're there until they announce you and you go out. Yeah. Um, the, the Ed Sullivan Theater, when we did Letterman, which was like a dream for me. That's like second to only SNL, which I haven't played yet. But like, you know, but, but Letterman, it's a huge, it's like most of these TV spaces, it's just so small and you're out there and you feel like when you're watching it on TV, it's like this big stage, it's tiny and everybody, you know, the audience is right there and there's a, you know, hundred cameras and you're like, this just feels so weird as compared to what you see, you know, when you're watching at home. Um, but the, but the Ed Sullivan theater is an actual theater. So it was just cool to play to a room. It was, it felt more like a show for like, you know, 2.5 seconds of playing or whatever. Um, and, uh, man, I don't know. Some of the places have really nice backstage areas where there's like massage chairs and they want you to like really be chill. I've played Conan so many different times where like we did the original Conan show in New York, which also was like, you know, I watched that. I'm sure like, Oh yeah, me too. Right. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. And then, uh, we did his show when he moved out to LA and it was like, uh, it was, I mean, he's things have like downsized for him and changed so many times, but the, the, his shows were always fun. Cause the backstage was pretty, you know, easy going. Um, I don't know. What do you want to know? Cause <laughs> I just like, like I, like, I just know like every time I feel like I get access to something I haven't seen before I go there and I'm like, Oh, that's happening. That's right, really interesting. Yeah. That's so I always just try and find like pinpoint those things. So I'm assuming Letterman with my next question was going to be, what was your favorite place to play? And I'm assuming you're going to say Letterman in that case. Um, the, the, that was probably not one of my favorite performances, but it was, Definitely like the most memorable. Also, Serena Williams was backstage and I got to hug Serena Williams, which oh, is like, damn. To hug Serena Williams. Yeah, that, that's the craziest thing. I, like, I think that I think that gives you superpowers. I think so. You have superpowers <laughs> now, man. That's how it works. So uh, yeah. I have I actually have a small little question. Which out of all of those shows, which one was the most uh, hospitable or like the one that gave the most hospitality for you guys? Um Kimmel was also like they had a backstage area that was like like a lot of food and, and like open bar. And it's just like, yeah. I think Corden had an open bar too. It, it, you know, it, but, but it was like maintaining the like loose vibe without too many hangers on. Like it wasn't like, a, it, cause it would have sucked if it was just like open bar. And it's like, it feels like a, you're at a bar and you're like about to like go on and perform. And like, you know, that, that's not what yeah. you want. Um, but, but Kimmel, it was had a really good backstage vibe. I think just the ones in LA because there's more space in yeah. New York. Oh yeah. These TV studios are tiny and uh, the backstage, like for Letterman, the backstage is like a stairwell and it breaks off into these little rooms and the everything's really small and, and separate where Kimmel is like this big area. And then James Corden, same thing. Like 
and there's like a patio that you can go out and hang. I mean, it's Damn. Ellen also had like a really nice, there's like a ping pong area. There's just like, you know, totally like you feel comfortable when you're back there. Um, so when you're, when you're doing these shows in between your own shows and you're really tired and you're really like jet lagged, you know, and maybe you're sick and then you walk into this like open area with couches and, and just food. And you, that's just like, that means so much. Like that's <laughs> just basics, you know, just like, comfortable, you know, so I appreciate those a lot, especially in the moment, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're in the grind of things. Nice. So mm -hmm. d doing all these, sh what celebrity, like who was the celebrity you got most starstruck with through doing all this stuff? Oh man. Well, it was always with the late night shows. It was always like the drummer of the late night show. Like oh, nice. all I could think about when I was playing was like, <laughs> was especially when it was like Max Weinberg. I'm like, I was actually gonna, I'm like, did you get to meet Max Weinberg? I shook his hand. Yeah. Nice. Like, yeah. But that was insane. Obviously like whenever we would do Fallon, like we did, I think late night and then we did the tonight show. I don't know. I've done it different with different, like with Ingrid or L or both. I don't remember. Um, but like Questlove, I've met him several oh. times, just like in, you know, at festivals or whatever. And, um, you know, he's just the man. So I think even though he's not the, probably the biggest or most notorious, it's just for me, you know, just that's, what I'd, wa I'd want to meet Questlove. Yeah. Question. Yeah, right. A long time ago, you put up a post and you said that one of the members of the Roots was a member at your gym. Was it Questlove? It was, uh, it was Captain Kirk. Oh, yeah. the whole time I'm like, I bet it's Questlove. I yeah. bet it's Questlove. But. Kirk, uh, he lives in, uh, he lived in, Bro he still lives in, I don't know where he lives now, but at the time he lived like not too far from where I lived in Brooklyn. And then sure. he would go to the same crunch gym and I'd see him in there. I'd be like, oh my God, I think that's him. But yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> so um, now as far as production goes, if there was a musician in Buffalo who was looking for some producing, um, how, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you if they might be interested in your services? I mean, just, you know, I check everything because people just hit me up, you know, and communicate in their own ways. But, I, you know, I prefer email because it's just easy to control and like, you know, organize. But, you know, email, DMs on, on Instagram. <laughs> Probably those ways are preferred. Um, and, you know, I would, I, I'm so interested to know like where the Buffalo music scene is now. I mean, I left and I mean, you, you guys are the experts, obviously. So, you know, more him than me. So <laughs> dude, I, I started doing like a deep dive and making a list of bands and I got up to like 200 and I'm like, there's 200 bands in Buffalo. This wow. is amazing. My yeah. list is up to 575 right now. Yeah. And it's growing constantly it's, it is it's been updated it, to the point where i've had to do some maintenance in the background <laughs> wow so yeah no That's it's awesome. uh there's a lot of really amazing things happening so uh your website is elliot-jacobson.com so if yeah. anyone's interested you can find all his info there and look at the resume and all that stuff uh we're gonna take a quick break and then lou is gonna ask elliot questions about playing with me in high school which yeah. hell yeah I'm ex I'm excited. So um, uh, we are going to play the Kalahari Merman experience. Uh, the song is called Monkey's Uncle. Uh, these guys are members of Tortoise Forest. Uh, Tom Varco and Max Davis, who we had on. They're good at and naming things. How whimsical. I really do like that name. The whole really nice. bit was whimsy. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm about it. Honestly, any band name that has experience in it, I'm usually kind of a fan of that. For sure. All right. Well, here is here's Monkey's Uncle on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on westernnewyorkmusic.com.
And we are back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on westernnewyorkmusic.com. We are still joined by drummer, producer, writer, arranger, potential drumstick juggler, Elliot Jacobson. And uh, so I was going to ask for embarrassing high school memories. That was kind of because I'm sure you have something on me. But uh, Lou has specific questions, and I can't wait to hear what he has for you. I have not seen these questions. Lou has been giddy about it since we discussed it this morning. I'm even going to put on my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, obviously you and Ryan went to high school together, you know, you guys, you know, jammed together in your, your guys's band or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, while you guys were jamming out, um, Ryan is notorious for making some of the weirdest names or in like, you know, naming songs and naming bands and stuff like that. What was the weirdest song name that he ever like gave to you? If you can even remember, like, Uh well, the band we were in <clears throat> had a lot doing, of weird I names. Wasn't, I wasn't doing song titles for them, but we did have a lot of weird names. Ginko right. Biloba, Frank the Mailman. I mean, I think every single song. Frank the Mailman. Throw, throw the Monkey a Burrito. Throw the Monkey a Burrito was what I was going to say. That was definitely... Yeah. That was definitely eye-catching. Frank the Mailman was actually a real person. He was, right, right. He was Don's mailman. <laughs> uh, was there any other... I mean, we, we had Chode Overdrive. Chode Overdrive, yeah. That's kind of before we realized what we were saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or some of us did and some of us didn't. Right, I, think some of us do. Um, I don't know. They're all, they're all in that, uh, up that alley, I guess. So. Yeah, we, we were a goofy band. Yeah. For sure. I, like, I think I like, we, we wouldn't say like fuck or shit on the albums, but we would say Chode 15 times, <laughs> not bad an eyelash. <laughs> Which in like, hindsight is so bizarre. Yeah. I like how the I like how this has grown to Ryan naming bands like uh, Tacos for Friendship and stuff like that. That's a good name. Right? Yeah, I see I, I came up with that name while I was hanging out with Lou and I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I'm like, I don't have an electric guitar right now, and I just bought a guitar right away. And I haven't <laughs> really good I one. haven't jumped into it fully into it yet, but I, I have I have good some one. ideas that involve like three bass parts at once. Um, I can't wait. I'm ready. All right. Yes. So, um, from what I've been told and from, you know, hanging out with Ryan and stuff like that, um, I would, uh, I would say that his onstage presence is very sporadic. It's very lively. Mm-hmm. Are there any embarrassing moments during performances or during rehearsals where Ryan may or may not, I don't know, like fallen on his ass or something like that, <laughs> or just like even something interesting? I mean, the, my image of Ryan playing bass uh, on stage or in the jazz ensemble okay. pit or anywhere was Ryan uh, with his, he had a purple, like a deep purple bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember like baggy pants that like the, the, the bottoms of them would like, you know, be like, like torn up on the floor. Is this right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, oh. yeah is this that? Okay. I, I still have pants like that. I still <laughs> like them that way. And then uh, j- like hopping, there was hopping. <laughs> there was a lot of hopping. Like vertical, just like, like just vertical up and down. Yeah. <laughs> That's evolved a little bit into less jump. I think, I think when your knees go out, the pogo well, yeah. goes with it. Yeah. You're usually now swinging your base and floor. Yeah, it actually it's, it, 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 it didn't really, it started with me just trying to like move around a little bit and keep the beat. And then once I got into like the end of college, it just became like, 
like violent dancing kind of it was really kind of a a weird way it went i do remember uh i do remember having my someone actually tied my shoelaces together once while i was playing bass i feel like i remember that too that was i think that was before that was the night that was actually the night we kind of first hung out with brendan orange okay i and, did uh, while playing bass and yeah. uh and then my, my, my bass strap broke that night and we used one of his shoelaces to hold it together, I which was, I, I had that for like, maybe you were there. That was the show in, outside in Eden when it was like 10 degrees. I, I was definitely there for that. Yeah. Okay. And I, re- I was going to say, I remember your bass falling. I remember your strap breaking. I should have said that, but that, that was like a, that was in there. That must have been like a very memorable uh, collapse. That, that whole show was great because... Uh, it was outdoors in like 20 degrees, which they didn't tell us about. And then when we got out there, it was two stages, but they were controlled by one power strip in the middle of the room. So at least at one point on the performance, the power just goes out and then like someone has to just like flip it back on again. And there is a tape that actually exists of that show that I should find, like, I should dig up if I can. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, part of what I'm doing with WesternNewYorkMusic.com is I'm, ar- I'm making an archive of all that music around our time. That's so just because cool. if you don't have the CDs, it's gone. Right. So like, like uh, there's some of new Easy Way stuff in there, and we got teased to a beatdown. I'm, I'm trying to get Zeal and Silo Six. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a <laughs> fun trip all. down memory lane. Oh my oh, god, you I remember really... setting those up. It was, it was really fun. So now my other question is, um, with your time doing shows, you know, with Ryan in high school, were there any moments, like any bad, like show experiences that you ever had, um, like, like just like hiccups or mishaps that may have happened while you guys were doing shows here and there? What, was there a broken, like Friends Cafe, was there a table that broke and we got in trouble or... <laughs> Uh, ooh, I don't remember a table breaking. Like glass shattering. I think because I think my other band, uh, Click, I think we, okay, this might have been, I might be mixing up shows and bands, but like, I think there was, I think like the, the guitar player in my band, Click, brought in a bunch of his friends from Lackawanna. And <laughs> oh, wrong side yeah. of the tracks. And, and they, uh, <laughs> I think they like smashed a, a coffee table at Friends Cafe. And I was, I was like mortified because I was thinking like, oh man, my other band's gonna be pissed. I could be making this. this that might have been a separate show where I played. That, that sounds like something that would happen at the Friends Cafe. This was yeah. a, an all ages music venue in Hamburg, and I think I might have. I think. I think we played possibly the last show there and it's all, I got to, I got to dig up these tapes because we yeah. have that too. Uh, they found uh, kids were hiding beer under the couch. Oh, I remember that. So yeah. we actually had the announcement where the woman is like, we found red dog under the couch. We are going to close from here on out. <laughs> and then dog. right at the end, you hear one of my friends being like, dude, did you get that? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I feel like the other thing that just came to mind is we played a show at, it was a show place theater mm-hmm. and there was one show where i played with i think three bands i think it was i think it was the shapes and then oh wow i i really liked the shapes you didn't or you did i did oh you did yeah i like the shapes too that was a, it was like deftones psychedelic kind of yeah um, groovy yeah and uh i played with you guys i played with with the new easy way and the shapes and maybe one other band and my hand was cramped. I just remember my hand, my left hand started to cramp during the show. Oh. And like, you know, that's not a good situation. But, 
I think the show was awesome from what I remember. I don't know. That was the, that was like when you had to sell, it's like buy tickets from Showplace Theater and then sell them. So Showplace made money no matter what, I guess. And it was like free to play kind of deal. We actually like a lot of the times we would buy the tickets like 50 tickets for $50, but then we'd sell them for like two or three bucks. Oh, cool. Okay. We actually made, we actually made like, Oh, I mean, most of the recordings and stuff we did were paid for that way. And, uh, when you compare it with how some bands are getting paid in bars now around here, it's it's actually like, I kind of think I made more on those old shows. Yeah. Ben, I'm always amazed. Some of those show play shows were $7 to get into still shows in Buffalo, $5 to get into. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it really is. I did a show where it was like three bucks prepay, five bucks at the door. Whoa. What is going oh, on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. I when when I when I hopped on to that booking train, I, I, I brought it up to like five and eight. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um but anyways. Now my other question is, has there has there ever been a situation where anybody in your band has sustained an injury and you know, either, you know, continued playing with the show? Obviously you broke your foot. You know, so we, we already crossed that bridge, but has there yeah. been any other significant uh, injuries that may have been sustained during shows or mm-hmm. during rehearsals, you know, kind of just like coursing around type shit? <laughs> I, I've, I've sustained injuries. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was playing at South by Southwest mm-hmm. one of these years, uh, and it was a year where Ingrid was playing and L, and I think I was doing some gigs with like other artists too. I was like fully in the drummer, you know, mode. And um, we played a show with, uh, it was with Ingrid at the like big Austin sort of theater. And it was for the Perez Hilton showcase. So there's all kinds of bands playing like Blondie showed up unexpected and like cleared the stage and then set up their entire rig and crew and then played like three songs and then cleared it out. <laughs> that, that kind of shit was going on. Um, so we're like, okay, so Blondie's playing and then we play <clears throat> and there was, it's, it's so any of these like festival settings, especially like the kind of showcase festivals like South by Southwest, it's a, it's a free for all. There's the crew is trying to just maintain like, bands of different crew. It's just, it's, it's insane. So we run on stage. I ran, it's, it's pitch black. I ran right into a, um, like a huge, it was a huge sort of like back screen thing. I hit right, right on the corner and it cut my, my head. I'm on stage. We're just, we, we start playing with Ingrid. Blood is gushing down my face and the bass player looks at me. He's like trying to like motion, like what's wrong. And I, and so I took a towel and it's just all bloody. So I'm playing this, you know, it's like those sets are super short. So it's probably like five <laughs> songs. And then I, I, I ran off stage after the set and I'm supposed to literally book it to an L showcase <laughs> with my gear. Like, and, and I'm just like bloody. I show up uh, to L and she's like, it's funny coming from like an Ingrid Michaelson gig to an L King gig, showing up like bloody and sweaty. <laughs> And Elle's like, just like chill, like playing pool with the band and like, what happened to you? I'm like, it was, you know, I hit. Yeah. So that, that, that was, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's any been other like actual injuries. Yeah. I've had amps. That's crazy though. And things like that, but yeah. Damn. That one stands no. out to me because it's, you know, there's so much blood. Yeah. <laughs> and now my last question is if if you were to, uh, if, if you were to, you know, look back at your, you know, time playing in high school 
mm-hmm. and uh, you know like kind of visualize Ryan as a high schooler. <laughs> um, do you think that his, you know, aesthetic of being a musician has transferred into his current podcasting persona or is it just like, or is there such a sparse difference um, because of like, you know, age maturity in life and whatnot? <laughs> that is a good question. Ryan's such a, very such a deep, deep question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I think it's, it's, it seems like a natural progression. It seems like, you know, Ryan is a very uh, wise, mature uh, <laughs> individual right now. And, uh, you know, but I think like, I, I do remember like back in the day, like, you know, Ryan like was into all this music that I wasn't into, which I wish I, I mean, like you were into Zappa. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And like, I think there was a lot of punk bands and stuff. And like, that's kind of how, that's that was like my first introduction to a lot of that stuff it's weird in high school because like you're you were just a couple years or even like a year older than me i think i was two years ahead of you yeah so but that's such a big difference in high school right like oh my god it's crazy and and so like i was learning so much from like that band and like the guys in the band like the music the music they were showing me was stuff that like i didn't know i didn't know who warren zevon was like (laughs) you know I still they, don't know who Warren Zevon is, but like <laughs> they they introduced me to Warren Zevon as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, but there was that that band in particular, and you know, and Ryan, like there was just so much music being like listened to and absorbed. And I think like that's obviously carried on. And now you're like the, the torchbearer for the Buffalo <laughs> music scene over here. So makes sense to me. Now I have a follow-up because you were just saying, you know, they introduced you to a plethora of music. And I know I said that that was gonna be my last question, but it's just like popped in there i'm like firing these up do you think that the introduction to you know the punk the alternative rock the grunge you know aesthetic um really kind of built up uh you know different a different sense of music composition and just music playing in general because like from my from my perspective i grew up like singing and playing jazz Mm -hmm, mm i can love it you know it's like super free form super cool you get that swing going you get those you know triads in there and whatnot and then i started getting really into like progressive metal and those two are like complete polar fucking opposites so like there are certain things that i carry from both during composition you know sessions or during writing sessions that i personally carry over do you think that the introduction to those bands that were just so sparsely you know different from the classical music from the suzuki method um do you think that really carried over into your composition uh, I think like the live energy of all those bands, cause it was guitarists playing and drummers playing, you know, especially in the more aggressive stuff that I got into, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and then the classic rock stuff I got into like later, you know, um, like I think it informed productions because even if I was using a computer, I was like coming from a live sound of like, I want these productions to feel alive and I want to make the sounds work in a way that, you know, they don't just sound kind of stale to me. So probably that way. And then actually like looking back on a lot of those songs, a lot of them are super hooky and simple and catchy. And they're, I mean, like, you know, Nirvana is a, is such a great pop band, you know, with, with the way the melodies are and and the, the repetition and the structures I mean, you, you can't, you, you take those elements and maybe you change the lyrics and you change the aesthetic of the productions and the sounds 
and it's just a straight up, you know, pop record. Um, so I think that probably carried over and, and just like some of the like darker, um, themes in the music. I think like I tried to, I gravitated towards that stuff a lot. So, and I don't know if that's something about being in Buffalo. I was trying to think about this earlier today. Like there's so many, like there were like punk bands and rock bands and, and like hardcore bands coming out of like the Buffalo, Western New York area. And I just wonder if that has anything to do with a, a general feeling of like, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, it might Scott Vogel, man. Cannibal I'm not, corpse. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a, not, not unlike, you know, what, when people evaluate Seattle, you know, it's like a similar thing. It's like the, the weather, the economy, the, the, you know, but I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to place, but I think like, I definitely took all, all, all that stuff with me, you know, into stuff I make and, you know, this is good music. Mm-hmm. No. And I guess to leave it off on a, on a nice little heartfelt note, I, I tend to, we, we both tend to ask this question a lot, especially when, you know, interviewing a lot of musicians and bands and stuff like that. What, what advice do you give to, you know, the kids in the local scene getting their band starting up or, you know, just working on their craft and whatnot? What advice do you give to them to just, you know, be successful in their production or be successful in their ideas? I know that we've touched upon, you know, getting your priorities straight, making sure that you have something to show for yourself and stuff like that. So outside of that, you know, and mastering your craft, mm-hmm. what advice would you, you know, give to, you know, some garage band that's, you know, starting out and getting ready to rip through it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely emphasizing like you, it can get so complicated when you look at like the emphasis on marketing your music and getting your music out there and, and reaching new pe- people and building an audience and, you know, getting on TikTok, making sure that you are creating viral content and like all that stuff has a place and is super important. But I think what gets lost, even with people who are like in the middle of their careers doing this is like, they start looking outward instead of looking inward and they stop focusing on the song and they stop focusing on, can I play this live? You know, can I, uh, you know, really get, am I getting the best productions to represent my vision right now, you know, they get kind of lost in how they're being perceived, you know, all the metrics uh, that are the outward facing metrics, you know, their follower count and play count, um, which is again, super important, but first and foremost, like really bringing something special to the table that's really well made and well curated and and focused. Um, and, And then understanding you know, that this is a long process and it takes it. I mean, frankly, it takes money to invest in not just the front end, but the back end, the marketing. And and if you want people to hear what you're making, if your goals are to really build something, there needs to be, I mean, a combination of favors and friends and and support, but also actual money. It's going to take money. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to compete, you know, you need, uh, your life savings or you need to, um, you know, sell your whatever, but, uh, that's just part of it. And I think the the last thing I'll say is just that it, it's, uh, what you consider success now, you know, I, I heard a quote that was like 
survival is the new success. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to that meaning like you got to really got to keep going. Um, it's going to take longer than maybe it used to, to get to a certain goal point. Um, so you just have to really have that mentality that like, I'm not going to just put out a song and like wait to see what it does. Like I'm going to put out a song and I'm going to push it as hard as I can. And I'm going to put out another song and you know, that's really how it works. But I think that's, that's super important to um, keep in mind. For sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely one of, one of the freshest perspectives we've gotten on that in a while. Cause most people usually say like the same jargon uh, consistently if I'm going to be blunt. So definitely good to get a different perspective on it. And, you know, really, really awesome. You're, you're a really awesome dude. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, uh, Elliot, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. We we had been trying to plan this for probably literally like the last like forty episodes. So I'm so happy we <laughs> yeah. finally got you in. Me too. And I, I will I, I will say this: uh, one of the big carryovers from for me from high school to doing this is that I have and always will have a a very very big mouth that gets me into trouble. <laughs> you're not he's he's not wrong about that <laughs> yeah elliot's seen some stuff too <laughs> all right thank you so much for joining us elliot and that was our interview with elliot jacobson next up we have a track by the last rain uh their album evolution released last september and they just announced a double lp release on cassie how much do you like colored vinyl i love it right uh it's so it's a double lp on red and purple one on red, one on purple. Um, so at, uh, of their album, it's available for pre-order at thelastrain.com. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool album. If you're into, if you're into some, he some heavy shit. Uh, it, or if you're into colored vinyl. Yeah. I mean, or local vinyl. Absolutely. Local vinyl. So check it out. I think it's $50 pre-order for it, which is a good price for a double album like that, I think. Kind of cool. Yeah. So um, here is a song from that album. It is called Annihilation of the Ancients by The Last Rain. And then we'll be right back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on westernnewyorkmusic.com.
we are back on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. That was Annihilation of the Ancients by The Last Rain. If you go to thelastrain.com, you can pre-order uh, their entire album that that is from called Evolution on double-colored vinyl. Get on that, folks. And then it'll be releasing sometime around the end of summer. So, um... That's all we have for episode 73. That's crazy, Tom. 73. I really, like, I'm going to get to 100 at some point, and that blows my mind. One would think. Doing 100 of anything over and over again seems difficult for me. You know, what is it? You're 10,000 hours, but, like, 100 podcasts is certainly yeah. many hours. So, <clears throat> so first some bad news. Um, no more Lewis. So, um, I miss him already. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at this. Some shit happened. He left town. Um, he's going to be with his family. I, From what I heard, he's coming back to Buffalo to grab his stuff, and then he's either going to uh, be living down in Florida with his family there, going over to New Mexico where he also has family. So um, we're going to... I miss him a lot. I wish it didn't happen so abruptly, but so is life sometimes. But uh, I just wanted to take some time to thank Lou for all... Lou, Lou really did a lot of hard work. He jumped in enthusiastically to, like, comment on, you know... Uh, any and all everything yeah no i mean he he's the webmaster for westernnewyorkmusic.com sure. um he was booking shows for good bar he was helping out with infringement like he was and really, then his own music projects there were yeah a contribution i think he re too. i think i feel like he re has reformed that band like three times in the last two years and now he's gonna have to reform it again the struggle so, the struggle is absolutely real is so lou we wish you the best all the best yes keep struggling uh, on episode number 74, we're going to have Fred Betchen. Okay. It's going to be Betchen. Eh. <laughs> um, he is an I audio love engineer. Puns in this episode, Ryan. Huh? It's sort of a very punny episode. I try. Um, he's an audio engineer. Um, I worked, I actually got to work with him a few weeks ago. Um, John, our wonderful sound editor. Um, also New Speak. Also New Speak, was in the recording studio and I didn't have anything to do and I'm like, John, do you want me to hang out? Because he was just going by himself. And I feel like sometimes you just need that extra body. And I ended up, uh, there's this one song he wanted, like, war drums. Okay. So they found, he wanted, like, a, uh, like, a, a mark, like, a, one of those, like, orchestra kick drum, bass sure. drums. So we find one, but it's set up like, like a regular, like, drum set bass drum. Like, it has legs and stuff. Okay. So you had to hold it up? You were the drum holder? I didn't, well, so they put it on a coffee table. Okay. And I take one look and I'm like, he's going to hit that once and it's just going to like fly off the table. So I, I had to hold it on the table. <laughs> so there's shots of me either like, like straight on holding it, like pushing it towards John or like on the side kind of doing that, that marching band grip. But uh, Fred was the engineer we worked with there. He's a super talented guy. Um, he, I, I think GCR just kind of hired him on where before he was freelancing. Not 100% sure. I saw a post about that. We can talk to him about that. Um, he also works with uh, Select Sounds in Kenmore, that recording studio. So um, I, his time in Buffalo goes back to the 80s making music. We talked about his time. He spent some time working with Mark Freeland, and that which you know goes back to the, the, the classics of Buffalo for our era, I think. So I think it'll be a really interesting interview. So you can check that out on March 15th-ish. Um, we're also going to have new music from Evan Anstey, who just released a uh, he released a new EP. Um, it contains different versions of songs he's already recorded with other artists. 
That's fun. So we'll have a track from that. I've got this really fun track from Steve Ballesteri. And um, I, I haven't picked the rest of the music yet. Ooh. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. So um, so thanks for tuning in and joining us. The next episode is going to be awesome. Um, just be nice to everyone, folks. It's, it's I, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me getting my vaccine, but I'm like, it's almost over. There's a feeling like everyone wants to be almost over. My gosh, it's a year of this, but... So I, I appreciate the caution, but also really, really miss the concerts. So right? keep, keep on struggling, folks. It, it, it can't be that much longer, can it? The trough opened up. Concerts are happening. You know, I see it as so. Yeah. The light at so, the end of the tunnel. So get outside a little bit and breathe in fresh air and not contaminated air, and everything's gonna be okay soon, folks. We just gotta hold together, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm what does the music angry. button do?